to the Strictly Anonymous podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real problems. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show. Let your Greek flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chains. Here are your hosts, Kathy Kay and Tommy. Hey, welcome to Strictly Anonymous Podcast with Kathy. If you want to follow the Strictly Anonymous Podcast on Twitter, follow the show at Strictly Anonymous or follow me at Cartoon Therapy. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to my show, subscribe and if you can, write a review. I really love reviews and they help the show. So write a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to my podcast if you want to be on the show uh send me an email strictly anonymous podcast at gmail.com this is a call and advice show where i give people my unprofessional advice but a lot of times i'm not really even giving advice i'm just listening to people sort of reveal their uh interesting lives or their secret lives so if you have a secret life an interesting life if you have a problem or you just want to be on my show just send me an email at strictly anonymous podcast at gmail.com and i'll have you on Today, I have on a guy named Rob, and I found him on Craigslist. And I have to say, his email on Craigslist, what he was looking for, was uh, pretty hardcore. He's into cuckolding and couples and girls with piercings and tattoos, and he's bisexual and all that good stuff. And um, we get into all that. But what we mostly discuss on this podcast, it turns out, is just like polyamory, because he's into polyamorous... Uh, He's polyamorous, right? That's the right terminology. <laughs> um, so we talk a lot about that. And that's, you know, instead of like, I tried to get out some like hot sex stories, but we talk, like I said, more in detail about the polyamory thing, because that's like a new sort of thing that people are doing. I think it's kind of new. And I think it's always interesting to hear from people that are actually doing it to see how it works, you know, compared to the regular relationship that most people have been doing for the past, you know, how many years? I don't know. Thousands. <laughs> you know, the regular monogamous relationship. Uh, we all know about that relationship. But I think that these new relationships like polyamory and I don't know, there's other kinds. People have said the words, but this one, I think I've had one other polyamorous couple on. This guy, though, has had long term polyamorous relationships and he's currently in one. So we get the history and all that stuff, as well as like uh, get into you know, how he got involved in all the sexual stuff that he dabbles in, which is, you know, like I said, a lot of stuff and it's pretty hardcore. So uh, his name is Rob and I'll be right back on with Rob. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous. Hey, Rob. Welcome to Strictly Anonymous Podcast. You're on Kathy. How are you? Hello? Hello? Yeah, I said, hey, welcome to Strictly Anonymous Podcast. You're on with Kathy. How Hello. are you? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm, oh. How are you? I'm good. So, Rob, you, uh, I found you on Craigslist, and you have the, you're into the whole, so cuck, you're into the whole cuckolding thing, and you're into a lot of other things as well. But what I found, I mean, I just reread your ad really quickly, um, and what I find really kind of, uh, kind of funny is that in you, you're talking about like how you love girls like with piercings, a lot of tattoos, 
you're bisexual, like all the stuff that you're really into. And then you're like, when you email me back, put your favorite band in in the subject line. <laughs> what does that have yeah, to that, do with that, it? <laughs> I, so back in the day, uh, it's a little less ridiculous now. Uh-huh. Back in the day when Craigslist was a little bit more of a freak show. I shouldn't say that's mean, but yeah, uh, it just actually mostly comes from the old spam bots. And oh, generally okay. speaking, like if it just has a return line or something that doesn't have like a personal like response line, it used to be pretty common that it would just be like ad bots or cam bots or whatever. Oh, okay. Because I'm thinking like, and, you know, I'm just thinking like that has something to do with like your fetish as well. And I'm just like, that's kind of weird, but interesting that it's like the band, you know. But oh, okay. So it's like, so that's, you know, it's like a human being is is like actually emailing you and you're going to be responding to them. It, it sometimes cuts down on the, the wasted time. The bullshit, right? To, yeah. I mean, nowadays, most of them still have like pretty specific, like non-generic, like font or like verbiage that uh-huh. it's usually pretty pretty simple to pick out when someone is not a human being but right but wait so know. so let but, me just get to the to the good stuff right so obviously you've been <laughs> how old are you by the way i'm 35 you're 35 so you've been doing this whole craigslist thing like are you married single like what's your sort of relationship status uh i am uh polyamorous so i have one primary partner and then I have one uh, recurring secondary partner. Uh, uh-huh. That's my current situation. So, uh, and they all know. I'm assuming they like like because you're polyamorous, right? Like the girl that you're dating, and they're women, right? I mean, you are bi, but when I think of bi, I think that that just means you kind of like hook up with guys sexually, but you're romantically involved with women, right? Well, I'm more what I would consider heteroflexible. Usually, my situation is. And I've been roasted by this, by locals in, I'm, I'm located in Denver. Uh-huh. I don't know if you tell people that, but um, I've been roasted by guys who respond to my ads because for some silly reason, uh, somewhat closeted men find it necessary to respond to my ads a lot. Mm-hmm. So, um, and my thing has always been, I, I'm not generally... So I, I've been around for a while as a 35 year old man, and that makes me, you know, a teenager in the mid 90s. Uh-huh. And so I, I was pretty wild there for a while. I tried a lot of stuff, you know, whatever. And because of it, I did experiment a lot in my younger years. I'm not really interested in men, but I there are situations where having a man involved in the sexual scenario mm-hmm. is like fun or interesting. So I usually consider myself more heteroflexible. I don't ever play with just men. Mm-hmm. Um, I do play with men with their girlfriends or, uh, you know, uh, threesomes and foursomes. Me and my primary partner do swing. So we've had group scenarios and things like that. But as she always says, there, uh, there has to be a vagina involved of some sort. And I guess that's not even fair because I have uh, had uh, sexual relationships with male to female transgendered people and things of that nature as well. So, uh, but a 
female identified person generally pretty much has to be involved in the scenario. Right. So. I mean, you just said so much stuff that you've done. It's like, I wouldn't even, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> you tell me, you have like the language and the uh, the lifestyle of like a millennial, right? Because I always talk about how like the younger generation are so much more open-minded to all these kind of open relationships as opposed to the ones, I mean, I'm like in my 40s. So like I grew up in a time where nobody like had open relationships. Polyamory wasn't even a word that anyone really, that even existed, you know? But I find that the younger people are totally open to trying new things, right? Because the whole monogamy regular relationship thing probably you know in their eyes doesn't seem to be working out I mean to me it never seemed like it made any sense either you know but um so when did you start like when when you were younger right like and you said you experienced like a lot of different things like when did you start like acting out sexually and doing all this stuff uh I lost my virginity on my 14th birthday mm-hmm. so to a woman I'm assuming right <laughs> uh to two different lesbians uh, lesbians to, at the once two girls at once uh yes how did yes. that happen um okay so i was at a party i was a really really awkward young man mm-hmm. um i uh so a lot of my early um sexual identity kind of coincides with um my um i'm a recovering drug addict and so a lot of my early sexual escapades kind of run tandem with my early developing drug addiction. Mm -hmm. And so that actually is the first night that I ever got high. Mm -hmm. Um, I was at a party, right? um, I was about to start my freshman year of high school. I had a friend of mine who invited me to this party um, that we got invited to by his older sister. And some of the, I was just this really nerdy kid and super awkward. But by that point I was, so invested in this idea of becoming like a cool kid and what I had in my mind for that, I just was willing to kind of jump out and do whatever it took. So Mm -hmm. what ended up happening was, um, I got fed some drugs. And when you say Uh, drugs, like high on weed or crack Um, or cocaine, like what were you high on that at 14? That night was, was cocaine. That was kind of my drug of choice for Mm -hmm. a long time. That ecstasy. Um, again, I was a teenager in the late nineties. So the kind of raver scene was kind of my thing for a little while. Uh-huh. But, um, so I, I got, so I was given some cocaine. I got pretty high. I passed out for a little bit, which was after throwing up on this person's <laughs> floor. Cause I didn't know etiquette back then. All right. Um, and so, uh, I kind of blacked out for a little bit and then the last, one of the, earliest distinct memories I have from that night is kind of coming to in one of the bedrooms upstairs and I have one of the girls on top of me who I I went to school with these two girls they were I got to know them later on in high school because they were in drama and I was a drama student as well and um so we I kind of like came to and one of them was on top of me the other one was next to her in bed and then they switched positions and she was on top of you like screwing you like having sex with you yeah she was riding me Uh uh-huh uh the other one was kind of they they kind of subbed in a little bit but um they were both lesbian identified i later found out you know through the years getting to know them uh they were kind of every once in a while they they you know sub in 
a guy or whatever. But um, and I think actually one of them actually primarily identifies as a straight woman now. I don't uh-huh. stay in touch with a lot of people from high school. Were they at the, were they anyway. fourteen too though, or were they older than you? No, they were both uh, uh, sixteen, seventeen. I think. Okay. They were a couple years ahead of me in school. So. Okay. Yeah. So you screwed, so, you fucked them both, and that's how you lost your virginity. That is how I lost my virginity. But and and what about guys? For, like, when did you realize that you were like so open sexually and into all this kind of stuff? Right, because. You said you were sort of like awkward well, and maybe nerdy. I don't really know. But like, did you always sort of know, like, while you were like jerking off and stuff that you were like really open minded sexually? Like, were you into men fantasizing about them and all this other kind of stuff that you got into? Or did the well, drugs sort of make that happen? Uh, a little bit of both. Okay. Um, I was a very, I still, as you may, may not be terribly surprised, a pretty sizable sex drive mm-hmm. i always have um and so some of it was fueled by the idea that i you know generally speaking the, the you know gay men can are generally more interested in sex on a more regular basis and so uh it just mostly came from the idea that i was i i cheated on pretty much any girlfriend i had in high school because I was always on to the next, you know, the next girl. And, you know, it kind of just came out of the, the, that young experimentation. I just, um, and it was definitely it, like my inhibitions to reach out and try new things definitely probably were lessened by the fact that I was, you know, Hi, but uh, it was like it was drugs. you had those sort of thoughts in your mind and you wanted to do all that stuff. The drugs just sort of helped you out and gave you that push that you needed. But it wasn't like it made you it do things that you weren't into. Yeah. And, you know, I tried stuff and there were things that I tried that I immediately was like, OK, I don't like this. Like what kind and of stuff? Most of my stuff. Well, just like generally what I would be referring to in that situation is one on one play with men. Mm-hmm. I'm just. It's, it's not guess, what you're it's into. Fine, uh-huh. but I, 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 there are things about women that that are kind of irreplaceable for me. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't like to sound like an asshole, and I definitely don't like to sex shame anyone, and I definitely don't like to come off bigoted or, especially as someone who fetishizes like sexual activity, in just the sense that everybody has the right to be respected by their partners. And so my big thing is just for whatever reason, um, I'm just not completely sexually like attracted to men. Yeah, that's and fine. So, I mean, that's not a, you're not insulting yeah. guys by saying that or at all. And it's obvious that you're super open minded and non judgmental. Ac- yeah, but that's ridiculous if somebody accuses you of that. You're pretty you're very open minded. You have a polyamorous relationship. You have, you know, all the stuff that you've done, like you're obviously like you don't sort of live in a box anywhere. <laughs> so I mean Well I, and like my Yeah. I don't like to get into oh, that no, whole stuff because saying. it's like ridiculous. Like I like to talk more about your personal stories. It's like I said, it's very obvious that, you know, you're not sort of bigoted or any of those things that you just said that you are. You're like I said, you're super yeah, okay. reminded. And it's just like to me, it's more interesting to hear your story of how that progressed in your life, you know, 
Um, okay. So, yeah. so you were cheating on all of your girlfriends, right? And sort of trying to have like regular relationships, right? When did it dawn on you that you could do this whole polyamory thing? Okay, that's a that's a little complicated question, but uh, I um, so uh, uh, kind of the flashback. So, um, two thousand nine, I got married. Mm-hmm. Uh, the woman that I was married, we had a very rough relationship. Um, I was still, um, actively using, we had been together by that point for almost five years. we uh, when we got married, I was, uh, physically abusive in certain respects. I was, um, whenever we, we broke, we would like take breaks. Uh, we had taken like a couple breaks here and there earlier in the first couple of years in our relationship. I had slept with a lot of other women in those breaks. And then I would conveniently not tell her about that mm-hmm. anyways. And so, um, right about a couple months after we got mar- married, I got a DUI. Um, I lost my license. Um, and that's when I started pursuing, um, a sober lifestyle. And shortly thereafter, we we got divorced around a year after i first uh sobered up i met a girl who was also um early in sobriety and she was like kind of like my like my lifestyle ideal she was a smart ginger which i've been a you know whatever anyways so you're into gingers i guess yeah okay Yes, I've been accused of fetishizing them too which i try not to uh-huh okay <laughs> anyways and so um we eventually started seeing each other and part of the kicker initially was she was very openly non-monogamous. She had a primary partner that she had been seeing for about three years, um, who at that time was going to school in San Francisco. So she didn't see him much. And then she was seeing a couple other guys. And in the early point when we first started hanging out with each other, um, she broke up with all of her satellite partners because she was interested in me, which I didn't know because I'm kind of dense and I thought she was way out of my league, et cetera. And so, um, we dated, we ended up dating, um, which, uh, caused a girl I had been seeing at that time kind of casually, um, to tell me that we couldn't see each other. So I, I was convinced that I was going to try and be monogamous with this non-monogamous woman. <laughs> right. And, uh, but she wanted that, you to be monogamous? Gonna, I thought I did. I, I no, no, no. I she, I, but I, I'm, su- I'm surprised. Like, I, I, like, did she want you to be monogamous? The world's most exciting podcast, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times bestselling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. I'm Michael Savage. Host of the Savage Nation podcast, home of Borders, Language, and Culture. Hear my new podcast each week as I speak with top guests from around the world. Right now, we have over 700 shows in our library featuring interviews with world leaders, scientists, faith teachers, and more, including President Donald Trump, Prime Minister of Israel Ehud Barak, Edward Teller, the father of the hydrogen bomb, Jerry Falwell, and so much more conversations and commentary you cannot find anywhere else. Other guests have included Samuel Cohen, the father of the neutron bomb, Breitbart's Alex Marlowe, 
the great author Peter Schweitzer, Colonel Douglas McGregor. Be here or be nowhere. The Savage Nation Podcast. Catch the Michael Savage Podcast on all podcast platforms every Tuesday and every Friday. No, no, she did. She didn't. But well, you she, wanted to be when I was. She, it doesn't make sense. She, she okay. To be fair, yeah. as it came out um, later, she did kind of want me to be mon- oh, monogamous, okay. okay, and just be monogamous to her. But um, that's not how it works because um, I was like, well, if she, she's because I, I, my thought process was, I'm just going to prove to her that I'm the only person she needs, you know, because I'm weird. And that when that didn't happen, I started seeing some of my old friends with benefits that I had been seeing over that last year. And when that came out, when later when her and I split, she admitted that she was actually very hurt that I would see anyone else, which she had also admitted was not fair. Oh, my God. I can't even. Yeah, I can't even. It's so complicated. She's fucking other people, but she doesn't really want you and you not fucking anybody else because you're being monogamous to her. But then you're like, you know, it's it's a little complicated, which I get why you said before it was complicated. But is she the person that so you guys broke up, right? She's not. So is that was that sort of your first like foray into like trying and not really succeeding in an open relationship? Yes. And so we only were together for about six months. Okay. Um, one of, but one of my friends with benefits that I had been seeing previous to her and then ended up seeing during the time we were together is in a longstanding, she's been married for 10 years now and they've been, uh, open for eight of those years. And so I had met her and she had, her and her husband, we're really honest with each other. They've always really like talked and communicated. And so her, her relationship kind of became like my, what I looked at as like a healthy, like coming yeah. out of that relationship with the non-monogamous girl, I didn't hate open relationships. I never, I just didn't think that it was working for or workable. Right. Um, right. Because it just turned into such but a mess. I didn't, yeah. I got lucky that I had this other idea, uh, this other notable working relationship to like, and so a couple months after me and the non-monogamous ginger split, I started seeing that partner that told me she couldn't see me anymore. And she and I actually started dating um, about six months later. And we very early on, we were monogamous at first, but very early into our dating relationship, the conversation had come up when her and I first, uh, you know, about a year and a half before that started kind of just messing around. She had been cheating on a boyfriend who then she broke up with because she felt she wasn't in love with him. Hence why she was sleeping with me. And so, Oh my God, there's just so much cheating going on and all of these people is like a good thing. You're all going to just plan on being open minded. (laughs) Well, and so she knew she was bad at monogamy. Right. That was my entire, uh, life realization. Mm -hmm. And so her and I had the conversation of what we could maybe consider opening our relationship up, which first started as, as just, uh, swinging. Um, and then eventually as it just became very 
hard for us to ever meet couples that liked both of us. Um, we just opened our relationship and started seeing partners Separately. outside of that. Uh huh. And so she, um, so her and I, uh, dated for four and a half years. We actually just split in July. Um, and we had been open, uh, with the definitional openness of we were the only two that dated, uh, all of our other satellite partners. We generally just multiple times. Uh Well, but it wasn't. And so that was always like, I always, we would always have the, the disagreement. She considered us open. I considered us kind of poly because none of our partners were one-time flings, or at least it was never like a, this is just a NSA kind of situation. It was always, we both had the same relationship ideal of we like having partners we can trust and get to know and be friendly with. And like someone that if I see you out on the street, I can go and say hi to you instead of, act like we've never met Mm -hmm. and so so which kind of borders more on poly but she hates the term poly she and her boyfriend now still consider themselves open i don't judge how that looks for them but um so yeah for four and a half year you know four of the four and a half years that we were together we were open um and that's when you started like playing around with couples and guys when did you first get get it on with a guy like when did that happen in your life uh i my first male contact was probably around 16 17 and was that just like a drunken thing or a high thing and like how did that happen and was it just a one-on-one yeah yeah the first time was one-on-one um it was i'm trying to even think uh, and was it like full it was, on, like someone fucked someone in the ass or was it just like, like what actually happened during that first experience? Um, there was, uh, the first one, he was, uh, relatively inexperienced, but he was a gay identified man. And, uh, he, uh, we swapped oral. And then I tried to top him, but he was not uh, comfortable with that. And so that was pretty much the, uh, it was manual and oral stimulation. Where do you meet him? Like, how did that happen that you just like all of a sudden for the first time were starting to like fool around with a guy? Um, I met him on a uh, chat room on AOL, I think. So you were like actively looking for it at that point. Um, I was just actively sexually aware mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, uh, gay men that were around my age found me attractive. And when you can't seem to pick up chicks very often and it, it became like a thing of like, okay, convenience. You know, may, <laughs> I was open enough to it and, right. you know, get sexually frustrated enough. I, I'd be like, okay, let's try. You know, and and generally every time it was just like, okay, this isn't really my thing. And so I'd, I wouldn't do it hardly ever, but every once in a while it would come up and it'd be like, okay, I'll try it again. And generally same results, but, you know, I'm hard-headed. Slash, I try, you know, and just, I guess I just, I don't know, 
I, I guess I'm open-minded in that sense. Yeah, that's know. fine. That's cool. So what, the second time, like, was it the same thing? You met somebody in a chat room? Uh, usually it was through the internet, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that I would meet guys. Not always. Uh, there were a couple, like, weird hookups. Uh, there's There was a um, gay club in Denver called Tracks 2000. Uh, shout out to Trax 2000. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I, they used to have a 16 and up night on Thursday nights. And, um, a lot of, as you may not be surprised, a lot of the kids that I was friends with in theater or in high school were at least gay or bi identified. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, that was the dance club that we all went to, or at least my group of friends generally went to. Right, um, so you would meet guys and, there. Like, you would go out, and then you'd meet a guy, maybe if you're getting drunk and you haven't picked up anybody else, you, like, wind up fooling around with a guy. Because, like oh, you said, you were kind of, like, open to it because just nothing else was around. Uh, yes and no. I feel mm-hmm. like that makes it sound like it was never intentional. Right. It was just, you know, sometimes it, the the meet, you know... Given the right set of circumstances, the heat of the moment, the, you know, whatever it is. But in those moments, it would be like, okay, this sounds like a idea, mm-hmm. you know, blowjob in the, the bathroom sounds <laughs> ideal for right. some reason. Right. But you, because uh, the only reason why I asked that is because you said, you know, very early on that, like, you really realized from, like, pr- like early experiences that you weren't interested in just, like, guy-on-guy action. Like, when it was you and a guy, it just wasn't something that you were into. So I just assumed that maybe that wasn't ever really your first choice because somewhere along the line, you said you weren't into that. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I always knew that I liked women. Mm-hmm. Like, that was never, like, a... I know, uh, like, it was never enough, a, baby. Is fair to say yeah. or no, right? Yeah. I mean, at, well, and two, like, I had always, I I had been told by kids I went to school with since I was 12 years old I was gay, which is a <laughs> weird thing to do. But um, I... Why? You just seem gay? I'm slightly, I don't know. You know, I look back at it and I don't, other than being really awkward, I never, like, I never... I was just not cool. So I think that was just, you know, the uh, the insult to throw at well, you let know, me ask young you, men who right. were socially awkward in those Yeah, days. totally. But well, let me ask you this, because you, you're like, you're very open about just saying your name, where you live and everything. So I'm assuming that this like stuff that you do is not sort of like a secret life. And maybe, and I, I'm assuming that everybody in your life kind of knows about all this stuff. Am I correct? Uh, I'm pretty, oh, okay. Yeah, more or less. Um, I'm pretty open. Uh, so as it's been pointed out, uh, <laughs> I, um, I do post an ad on Craigslist that has not my face, but I have semi super identifiable tattoos that are visible in that picture. So, um, for the most part, uh, people kind of know me. I've been, I, uh, recognized at my old job, um, I worked at. Uh, I worked you mean from Craigslist? Somebody came up and said, "Hey, I saw your ad on Craigslist." <laughs> yep. Oh my god, yeah. was it a guy or it must have been a guy, right? Because it's like, uh, no, it was a woman. Really? Uh, the couple. So uh-huh. here's the th- so 
my the ex that my most recent ex that we split in in uh july she is a burlesque performer and so um i would go to shows with her and it was usually women who were in the audience and stuff since i would be without a shirt on and then that would usually be when I'd have a woman come up to me and be like, I've seen your, you on Craigslist. And I'm like, okay. Oh, right, right. Because you're, you're in the prom- burlesque club and people are drinking and it's like, oh, so it's not like you're like in an office and everyone's dressed up in a suit and someone comes over to you. That's what I thought when you said it was at work. It was like that scenario. Yeah. But so when did you start doing I- couples? Was it like, I'm trying to get to like your stories a little bit more, but I mean, cause there's so yeah. much here and there's so much history, like, <laughs> you know, cause you have the, the drug thing and you got sober and we talked about that. And then you got into this whole polyamory thing, but like you definitely like, and now you're dating two people. Plus you post ads on Craigslist where you're looking for couples, right? Cause you're very into the whole couple thing. When was the first experience you had with a couple? I was 19 years old. Uh huh. Um, I had posted an ad. I don't think that was where the Craigslist is yet, but I remember con- uh, getting into contact with this woman. Maybe it was Craigslist. I don't think so. That seems a little old for Craigslist. Um, but anyways, I got into contact with this woman who husband liked to watch her have sex. And uh-huh. so I was a 19 and they were older. They were in their like late thirties, uh, so not older, older, but older than me. Yeah, and, and you were nineteen. They were, mm-hmm. And they were married, and she liked younger dudes, and he, you know, that that was kind of the soft intro. I had sex with her in front of him. He liked to watch. That was that was the extent of it. Right. I had sex with her like two separate times, and then they kind of just faded off and that was it and um when i lived in phoenix was my first hard intro to a cuckolding couple um she was a little she was a little bit younger she was what does the whole cuckolding thing mean what's the real definition because isn't it like just you're fucking somebody else's wife or they're watching like is it wouldn't any of like situ wouldn't that first situation be cuckolding or no like what's the what's the difference you could suggest that that first one was a cuckolding situation um generally what i've always and i'm not hip on my dif- definition so it could but what i've always understood the cuckolding situation the main ingredient of it is there's some sort of humiliation aspect of it. Oh, okay. So the first one, there was nothing like really. to watch. Right, right, right. So, so what happened like with this? Yeah, yeah, totally. So what, so cuckolding, there's some sort of, like, so what happened with your second one? Because you said that was a straight up cuckolding experience. She uh, liked to videotape us having sex and she would always be like, oh, you're so much better than my, my husband. Oh, uh, right. There's some kind of shame. And the guy gets off on that, right? In theory, yes. Mm-hmm. I've, I've met, you know, you know, you hear about situations, and I've met a couple couples that she does it, and she kind of just uses it as, like, ammo later on because uh, she, she's not, you know, like, usually those ones, it's more like there's abuse usually in the situation. That at least that I've experienced, but uh, yeah, for the most part, it's 
that's what he likes. And so she, that's what she does in some a- former aspect. And, you know, sometimes he has so, to be there. Sometimes. Well, but what happened? I know we, I get the definition, but stay on focus with like your actual personal experience. So you have this okay. girl and she was like interested. You guys would fuck and she would tape it and she'd say like really rude things about her husband and then they would go and watch it. Uh, I would assume that they would watch it. Yeah. Right. But she would fuck you behind her. Her husband wasn't there. He was not there. Right. Okay. And how many times did you see that girl? Uh, only like two or three times. Right. Okay. And so that, and then you got into the whole cuckolding thing. Cause I know that you must be into it cause you have this ad that that's like specifically what you're looking for. Like, so that kind of scenario definitely turns you on. Uh, there are aspects of it that I like. Yeah. I'm pretty aware of, um, certain roles that I fill, I guess would be a good way to put it. So I turn you on, right? Like, I mean, maybe you like to be the other guy in the relationship. Like, what is it about that experience that is like the turn on for you? Is it about sort of degrading the other guy is about fucking the guy's wife? I know that that's listen, I have I've been doing my podcast for three years. I've had every kind of topic on and the ones where, you know, the guy's wife is fucking somebody else is like or the girl, the guy's girlfriend is fucking another guy. Like those are like the most downloaded episodes because so obviously so many people are into that. Okay. (laughs) Um. So, like, what aspect of the whole cuckolding thing is it that that really, like, turns you on? Because I see um, it a lot. Trust me. It's probably, and this is always why it's the one, like, ta- I won't say taboo, but the weird thing for me. Because I try not to live in my, especially nowadays, in as much of my um, not as healthy mental behavior. But I, this one kind of borders a little bit on it, which is the... I was always, I've always identified with the desire to be better than everyone else while at the same time feeling like I'm the most worthless person ever. And so it's, yeah, I have a lot, I've battled with really poor self-esteem and depression most of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it came about what I realized was like, I'm good at what I do when it comes to sex for the most part. I try not to, and that makes you feel, like no, that, but that makes you feel I good feel, about yourself. And especially coming from a background when I was always told, you know, all growing up when I was younger, you're gay, right? You, women don't like you, blah, blah, blah. And it did kind of come out of that. Um, when I was in high school, I was, and post high school, the dudes who were always super shitty to me, I, there were a couple of dudes that I went to high school with that were fucking assholes. And guess who slept with their girlfriends? Right. Oh, so when you were doing all that cheating. <laughs> Cause I was, I was the, you know, I, I, I'm the, the edgy guy, I guess would be as it would be referred yeah, to. Yeah. Or the bad like, boy. So, so the, especially nowadays, like, it's not as big of a deal now since everybody in this town's got is covered with tattoos and whatnot. But uh, I, I've been accused of being stylish. I've been told I'm relatively physically attractive. Um, what would you I say you're on a care- scale of one to ten? I always ask every one of my guests. I don't like that question. So I'll I'm just gonna- <laughs> answer it. Um, you know, I'll, one through I'll ten. Say- 
I'll say a six. A six? A six. You just said you were attractive and you barely fit a six. I'm, I, yeah. I, I work, okay, so I work in the beauty industry. So mm-hmm. like, what do you, I'm around okay. really attractive people all day. I help make people look good, okay. especially men. So, okay. Um, but my experience was, you know, I have an above average size penis and I like to have sex. Mm-hmm. I'm good at what I do. And so you take into that and then the ego trip that it brings, that's just kind of how it developed. Right, right. Totally. Because so, it made you feel it was the one area of your life that you could sort of prove to yourself. And since you had low self-esteem, it's like acting out sexually would sort of feed into that. I get it. It's like the idea. And it's at one point it developed in my brain. It's this idea that, you know, women will leave any guy who is, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you make, how good you are to them, you know, how, you know, interesting you are. The dude who always wins in the end is the dude who they want to fuck. And that's kind of how it, and I'm sorry if I'm using terrible language on your podcast, but are you kidding um, me? That's not, don't worry about it. Okay. I'm very potty mouth. Um, I love cursing. And and so that's kind of where it came out of. And so like for a lot, for a while, especially after I, I sobered up, I tried to get away from that. And, um, when I first, uh, started seeing women when I was seeing the non-monogamous girl that kind of came back up again. Cause that was my ability to take back control because she liked me, but her primary partner, even though he was way far away, even though I was good to her, I watched her, you know, I, I, I filled kind of the fathering role. She had a seven year old daughter at the time. Uh-huh. Um, and we had a lot in common we had a lot of fun. But this dude was like her sex ideal. And so whenever he was in town, it was, you know, I wasn't around and everything. And no matter what, like, I couldn't do that. And so to be able to do that for somebody else felt powerful. And so that's kind of where it came out of. So Right. And that just sort of made you think even more that the woman stays with the guy who fucks her really well. Exactly. Right. So that so you've honed your abilities because you think if as a man that's like where all of your self-worth comes from. So now the girl that you're seeing now and your two relationship people like do they get it on with each other too? Like how does the whole relationship work? Cuz I'm assuming it's successful, right? Because you've had the unsuccessful polyamorous relationship that first one, but this one I'm assuming is successful. You're still sober? Yes. Okay. So you're totally sober and like you're in this relationship with one girl, you have another girl on the side and then you're on Craigslist looking for couples and cuckolding experiences. Um, Now, do the two girls that you're interested in or that you kind of date, do they get it on with each other too? Like how does the whole relationship work? Uh, No. Um, So a little backstory. My current primary partner I was seeing before my former relationship ended. She was married at the time, so we didn't really plan on becoming primary partners. Um, just they were at the tail end of their relationship, and so was me and mine. But obviously, wasn't as functionally aware of that. Um, so both of those relationships ended, and we kind of ended up uh, seeing each other as primary relationship material, I guess. So she's my girlfriend. Um, we are both poly. Uh, 
she is very bisexual, so she likes women a lot. Um, she right now is not currently seeing anyone else, but she dates sometimes. Um, the only other people that she slept with, though, since her and I have been seeing each other, has been women. Uh-huh. Uh huh. She's uh, and so and we have kind of a DS based relationship too. A so, what? Uh, a DS Dom sub. Oh, okay. Relationship. And what goes down um, there? Yeah. So um, the other girl that I'm seeing, uh, my girlfriend and her are friends on Facebook, and so they they kind of know each other a little bit, but they're not friends. No, okay, so her. she's never been with your girlfriend. She, your girlfriend's fine no. with you being with her, even though they kind of know each other. It's not like her friend, right? Because you can't fuck her friends. But she's cool. Your girlfriend, I'm assuming, is cool with you, like hooking up with couples and doing all that kind of stuff, right? You see people outside of each other. Yeah, we generally, uh, we have pretty much have an autonomy. Um, she... I, my general thing is they don't, I don't clear things with her in the sense of like, she'll ask. She seems to have like this sixth sense of, cause I, 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 we don't live together, but I stay at her place a lot. And generally speaking, if she asks me if I'm coming over and I say no, her follow up question is, do you have a date? Um, which I'm always honest with her if I do. Uh-huh. Uh, but generally speaking, she doesn't ask too much beyond that. We have a few s- simple guidelines of behavior to follow, but that's usually for personal safety. Uh-huh. Um, beyond that, we trust each other and kind of, you know, it's kind of, uh, I, I don't, she is welcome to ask any question. I will be honest with any question. But I don't generally go out of my way to tell her the gory details because then sometimes that can be a little uncomfortable. So. And do you find, because it's polyamory, does that mean that you can have, like, like that you're in love with both of those girls? Like, it's not just sexual, right? Like, there's, like, real feelings with both relationships, right? Yes. I respect both of my partners a lot. Um, both of them I'm very, I enjoy spending time with. It's kind of nice because so me and my girlfriend both work in the same industry um we have a lot in common career-wise um we both perform so we both get that aspect and so we have a very uh conducive relationship um me and my other partner we um are both vegan Mm -hmm. uh and we both uh are kind of come from similar uh, backgrounds in other senses. So we, uh, and we, we like the same music. We kind of do. So we like, we do different things that me and my girlfriend do. Right. So she compliments you in ways where your other girlfriend doesn't. So it's kind of like you have like everything that you want, but because you can't find that in one person, you know, you have this other person and then it's like more satisfying, which I totally, it's, if you think logically, like kind of makes sense, right? Because they always say like, oh, if you're looking for somebody like, you're never going to find anybody like perfect. Right. And there's in any relationship, there's always going to be stuff that's maybe lacking. Right. 
But if you can go and have another relationship with somebody else and sort of pick up the slack of what you don't have in that relationship, that becomes like the perfect scenario, right? As long as everybody's cool with it and you sort of have that going on. Sound, it's not so bad. Pretty great, right? Not that bad. No. It's, <laughs> and that's, that's uh, I don't like overreaching, but that's generally what I've always accepted the basis for polyamory to be. That the acceptance that not any one person can fulfill all of your desires. Right. And that a relationship based on honesty, integrity, and respect allows an opening of that relationship to other relationships that then can fulfill other parts of your life. That you, and that, you know, everybody's got different views on polyamory in the sense of like what works. Like I know some people that don't believe in having a primary partner that all of your partners are equal and that's all good for them. And I think that whatever works best for a person, as long as you're maintaining that honesty and integrity and respect, uh-huh. that's the only key part. Right. It, and there, so there's no sort of fear of like abandonment. It's very different than cheating, right? Because it's like that girl knows, even though you're going out with other people and you're uh, able to go and sort of even fall in love with other women, she knows that you're still going to date her. It's not like you would ever leave her for somebody else because you can be with somebody else, right? I mean, could there, could you ever replace her? Because, Or would it be mainly because it wasn't working out between you and her, not because you sort of met somebody else? Uh, no, yeah, I would agree. So, I mean, obviously, we're all human. We're all, we all have things come up. And, you know, it's not to say that poly relationships, even healthy ones, don't sometimes have bouts of jealousy and, you know, feeling of feelings of neglect. I think, you know, um, me and my primary partner have been working through some of those because with the, you know, her most recent partner cheating on her, she is a little skittish, I guess, uh, with the idea that I'm just going to fall in love with someone else and not be in love with her. And the irony is she's been poly her entire adult life. And so we're So just, she you, you know, would think she knows. It. You would think she gets it, right? Because she knows that she's been capable and has probably been in love with two people at the same time, right? Or is it that she's in love with like is or like you said she strictly sees women on the side. So it, when or is her polyamory like she has one man and then other women or does she see multiple men? Uh, there's been times when she's seen multiple men. Okay. She went, but uh, as she puts it, and I can only use what she tells me, but she says right now, I fulfill all of her male needs, That, but she very much likes to see women. But right. that's not to say that that won't change at some point. Right. So within the time that you're with her, there have been times, though, like you said, just now because of what happened that she is a little insecure about your other relationships. And and the way that you keep it going is just by being completely transparent and very honest with each other. Right. Yes. More or less. More or less. (laughs) How long have you been dating her? Uh, We've been seeing each other since June. Oh, okay, so it's year. kind of new. So, nine months. Right. Coming up on nine months, yeah. Yeah, because I always wonder, <laughs> like, because, like, listen, like, like, you know, nine months isn't that long, right? And already there's, like, this sort of thing that's coming up where 
she's a little getting a little insecure. Do you think that it is possible? And I, I listen, I thought when I was going to get on the call with you because of your ad and like all the stuff that you said sexually, this would be like a one of my podcasts where you're just talking about all like your sexual experiences and getting very explicit. But really, this is more a podcast about polyamory, which is very interesting, I think, absolutely, because I think it's something that a lot more people are doing or thinking about or trying, you know, um, and you've been doing it for a while. And I just wonder because it's not like you're with someone for five years and it's totally working and it's fine. It's like you're with someone, you tried it once with someone and it failed. Now you're trying it again and it seems to be working, but now some stuff is coming up. Like, do you think it's possible for it to just be totally okay and nobody's getting jealous of anybody else and it just works out or is it just like that's unrealistic to think that anything is perfect i don't think anything's ever perfect but i think it can be better than more succinct i think relationships uh that is that is the case where it's just like there's no real jealousy or anything like that and Again, we are just in a kind of odd space right now, but I don't foresee it becoming a problem. But you said, let me ask you this. So you said that she's a little bit insecure because her other guy cheated on her. Was that the guy that she was with before you? Yeah, that was her. And she um, wasn't in a polyamorous relationship with him? No, they were were poly the entire time that they had been. So how could she, married. how could he cheat if they were poly? Like, what does that mean when she's like, he cheated on her? Is it that he left her uh, for somebody else? No, he lied to her about it. They, uh, her and uh, him and his partner who he still sees, who is ironically actually the former partner of her former lover that committed suicide oh my god um, so confusing it's like i need a map and i this is you know nobody could see it we would need like a map of all these people it's so hard to keep track but anyway she got she they were poly but obviously he did something behind her back that she didn't know about sexually speaking i guess right with someone and then she how did she find out if he didn't tell her uh because she found out Okay, so she found out and then she was like, okay, there's no more honesty in this relationship. So really that's what it's about. When the honesty goes out the window, you can't really sort of exist in that kind of relationship because then it becomes like a normal relationship where someone's cheating on you and there's this, you're not trusting somebody and it's like a fucking nightmare. Exactly. Right. All relationships, all, all successful relationships, in my opinion, require honesty and transparency. Totally. And I think friendship, like people have to really just like genuinely like each other as people, you know, I think and that's what's missing in a lot of relationships. I know for me, just so you know, I'm a sober person for like 14 years. I don't necessarily believe in staying with like one person for 40 years. I've been commitment phobic for most of my life, but I do see like these really great relationships. I mean, I see mostly regular relationships to be like, for some reason, like horrifying to me. But uh, I do see really good relationships. And to me, what they have in common is that they just really like each other. They're like really good friends. You know what I mean? Like maybe if even if they weren't fucking, they'd still be hanging out. And I think a lot of people, you know, sort of couple up for a lot of other reasons than for the fact that they, you know, just generally like the person. And I think that's what really makes a good relationship. Right? I think it, I think it helps. Yeah. 
you know, I think if you marry someone just because the sex is great, I mean, eventually, you know, after a while, if you don't enjoy that person as a person, what the fuck do you have? But those are my friends that I have. And this is they're not in polyamorous couples. These are like the monogamous couples that are with each other that last like that, you know, went for the distance and still really like each other. They're just and, you know, I think that they don't have kids. I think kids really changes the relationship. And listen, I have a kid right now, but I think that um, children sometimes change relationships. But anyway, I don't want to get into that. But like your th- like with her, it just sounds like, you know, because the trust went out the window. But with you, she's still trying to be polyamorous and do what she yeah. believes in. Right. But it, it would make sense that she'd be a little skittish because someone just lied to her. She's got to exactly. like, you know, trust is earned. So and she just met you. I mean, nine months isn't that long of a time, you know. Exactly. And that's my overall opinion. Like, I will continue to show up in a way that is genuine and honest. Mm-hmm. And and I've told her, I'm like, if we are going to have this conversation of poly versus mono, then we need to have that conversation. And she's stated very succinctly that she does not want to close our relationship. So until she decides to have that conversation with me, I don't consider it what we're doing and i will just continue to show up in a way that is honest and compassionate right and she knows and she's okay though she has no sort of jealousy and that it hasn't come up about this other girl that she knows that you see i mean there's been like hints of it here and there but for the most part she understands that there are things that i don't get in any other relationship that i do with her we have Incredibly. No, you don't think that, but let me just ask you that. Like, you don't think that in a way that kind of bothers her because she knows she could never give you something. It's kind of like, you know, when you were saying like your self-esteem was tied to like sexuality because you always felt like somebody would leave you if somebody else was like good in bed. So like imagine sort of being with someone where you know that they have somebody else that is like really good at being whatever it is at something else, right. For them that you could never give them. So you, I don't know. I would think that that might make anybody a little bit jealous. No. I'm sure. Yeah. I, like I said, I don't believe that just because people are poly that there, there's absolutely no jealousy at all times. Right. And then when it just comes up, you just have discussions about it. Exactly. Right. And that's then, been my experience. Right. And what was your longest successful polyamorous relationship? Uh, my most recent ex. Uh, we were together for four and a half years. Right. And that yeah. one was okay. That, is, was that the one you married? No. No. Okay. No. Right. No. Okay. Um, yeah. Like, I think you're going to, I don't know. I think it's a little, um, I think it's like a little bit of a red flag that you're having issues so early on. But did you have those kind of issues early on with your first relationship, polyamorous relationship? Define what you mean by issues. Well, like where jealousy is coming up with like the basic rules of what the whole thing is about. I don't I don't follow because I don't feel that that's where what we're having issues with. Right, right, right. What are you having issues with? Sorry. I don't, I mean, right now is just some, you know, small issues with personal, like, I guess, uh, personal self, like, uh, self-esteem issues, maybe. I don't know. Uh-huh. No, not even that. Uh-huh. But, like, just the idea of, like, 
bringing past relationships into our relationship that sometimes happens. Right. But overall, we have, I don't believe I would characterize it as we have issues with, you know, the rules because we've, there's not really, I don't know. I don't believe in rules so much as like guidelines. So, yeah, so that's cool. I don't know. I think, I don't know. I just, you know, I love to do updates with guests and I always check in like six months, a year later to find out what happened. I wonder how this one's going to go down with your primary relationship. It just sounds like there's a little kind of confusion that I would think wouldn't be there. I just think it wouldn't be there. Did you have that kind of stuff with your four-year relationship? What do you mean? You know, you don't want to call it issues, but like the jealousy stuff, did that happen in your four-year relationship as well? Uh, Early on, we had some jealousy issues, yeah. Right. But I guess maybe that, so maybe that is more normal, right? But then when you work through it and that's where the trust comes and maybe that's like what you have to sort of go through to get to the place where you're totally fine and it becomes like a well-oiled machine, right? Maybe that makes more sense then, right? To really just be really like realistic about it. And like you said, as human beings, are they're going to, people are going to have feelings about things. So maybe that's been my experience. What? That's been my experience, but yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I'm Maybe sure I mean, listen, I don't know about this stuff, so it's just like I'm just learning as you're talking, and I'm just trying to analyze it and see like how it works, how it doesn't. At first, I was thinking, oh, like warning signs, like I don't think this relationship's going to last because there's already stuff. But you know, when you say about how it sort of happened in the past, I could also look at it like, no, it actually makes sense that in the beginning of a relationship, before you know that, how else do you really learn to trust somebody? And sometimes things come up, but if you talk through it and everything, like that's sort of the key to getting to the place where you could really be in, especially that kind of relationship, right? So maybe it's actually a good sign that you're, it's coming up and you could work through it. And once you make it through, then you could be, you know, in a very successful relationship and those things maybe won't come out, come up. Because trust is earned, right? I mean, no one just trusts somebody. Like you have to really know them, right? Especially after what happened to her. It might take her a little bit. It just makes sense. So no red flags, no issues. I think I said that. (laughs) Anyway, well, that yeah, that's the hope. That's the hope. You know, you go it. And I mean, the one thing I got out of my previous relationship. So the irony is like, so we were both seeing. So both her primary partner that my ex is still seeing is the guy was one of the one other guy she was seeing when we we split. Um, obviously, I was seeing my primary partner now yeah. at that time as well. Um, when we split. It had to do with things that were coming up via our relationship. We weren't, but um, part of it was we were not, I don't know. I, I've had a lot of introspection in the last, you know, six months or whatever that since we split and, you know, some of it came out of the fact that we had not been very sexually active with each other for a while um, here and there. Uh, a lot of life had changed. And what my experience has been is, you know, relationships continue to grow and sometimes we grow apart. Um, and, and that that's is not necessarily, yeah, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a life thing, right? Well, exactly. And so my experience out of that has been sometimes it's been my first ever relationship that has ended mer- with nothing being something that somebody did that was wrong. 
And it took me a long time to get to that point where I didn't personalize like responsibility uh-huh. or try to put put it on her. Right. It was we just stopped working. And I don't think and I think that that generally is the experience for me that um, is where people view relationships maybe in a in a light. You know, um, I'm a big I believer in the Dan Savage philosophy that, you know, if you're really only gauging a successful relationship by dying, one of you dying, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. No, I totally agree. Um, I say that all the time. Like people think divorce or endings of relationship is so bad, but I mean, that's just normal to think that you're going to like be on the same path in the same page with one person and walk the same, you know, for so many years, like it's just not the way that it goes sometimes. Some people have that, but a lot of people don't. And when it sort of ends and people go their separate ways, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a part of life and that's the way that it goes and it's okay, you know? Um, So I'm going to, let's wrap up this podcast. My podcast is normally about an hour long, but before we end it, I just want to find out um, whether your ad from Craigslist, I mean, I emailed you when you're on my show, but like, have you had any other hits from that ad or do you have any kind of like you know hookups that you're gonna do or have you hooked up with anybody because of that ad that you placed not currently um no it's actually funny there's a girl that i've we've been like satellites with each other for a little bit in Uh the sense of she she and I uh, matched on a dating site and we were talking for a little while and we were originally going to hook up and her ex play partner is one of my most recent ex-girlfriend partners. And so she got like super weird about it because she still has feelings for the dude and my ex was still seeing him at the time. So... I can't Um, even, I have to tell you, like, do you know (laughs) how many, because I, like, do you know how many times, like, you are so intertwined with people, like, you need to look outside of your state, I think, or, like, outside of your city, because, like, everybody you know knows somebody and is an ex, it's, like, so confusing and hilarious at the same time. I mean, do you notice that? No, tell me about it. It, it, It makes my life very, I don't want to say rough because rough life but no it definitely it adds some interesting characteristics to it but anyways she is in a current situation with a guy that she sees that's very vanilla and she's she's into some more hard edge kind of stuff and so i guess she was cruising craigslist and she saw it but so she decided to send me a message to let me know she saw me. But beyond that, not currently. Oh, so you feel though, like maybe because she saw that and now she knows, and her guy is so vanilla, like maybe she'll be like hit you up. Well, maybe uh, right. potentially just because the guy she was seeing over the summer when we started talking again because we hadn't talked in almost a year probably Mm -hmm. and um she had reached out to me because she saw my uh i don't even remember why but we had started talking over the summer and it was right around me and my ex's split 
and she, we had obviously talked about that kind of play before. And the guy she was seeing at the time was said he was open to it. So she was reaching out to me to see if I'd be interested mm-hmm. in being her bull. And so we talked about it and then she had a, a she had somebody closer who passed. And so it we kind of, yeah. And so as those things tend to do. So, uh, yeah, you yeah, ha- if you, but, that, yeah, but if you get people like outside and just do virtual stuff, I don't know, but you know, I think it's like, I have a lot of people on my show who advertise on Craigslist and I think it's hard sometimes to meet like real women that are really into stuff. I mean, it's a lot easier if you're looking for gay action because there's a lot of guys on Craigslist. <laughs> you know, I think what I hear across yeah. the board is oh, yeah, typically it's much harder to, you know, hook up with, you know, real females. But, you know, you've done well. And because you're in that community and everyone's so polyamorous, which means everyone could have like five people, like, you know, the odds that you will always be able to find people are pretty good. And you could just stay in your town and hook up all the time. (laughs) So, you know, I don't know even why you need that ad, but I guess it just adds another layer. But anyway... Um, thanks for calling into my show. Good luck with your ad. I'd love to hear what's going on with you and your girlfriend like six months or now or at the end of the year. I always do a, a, a where are they now thing. So we'll check back in with you. All right. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Rob. Thanks so much for calling in. Yeah, thank you. Good luck with everything. Bye. Bye. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous.